to please stand with us. And uh, if you uh, if you don't have a Bible or you, you didn't bring your Bible today, uh, then you can find the scriptures on the screen. But one of the ways that we honor the matchless word of God is that we, we stand to our feet. Amen. And today I want to spend some time uh, in the word of God. And I want to, I want to, uh, uh, I, I hate that we do this every week, but when you, when you're doing a series like this, it's difficult to just start talking and not give some kind of context about why we're teaching what we're teaching. So we've been spending the month of November and we'll be spending the month of November just, uh, on the topic. What is that? Somebody shout, what is that? What is that? And what our attempt to do is we are attempting to uh, normalize or explain some of the activity and things that you see within a local church congregation at any point in time. Sometimes you walk in a church and you'd be like, what in the world are they doing? Or what in the world is that? Or what in the world? This is crazy. They're crazy, you know. And it's just that the culture is a tad bit different. And when there's a difference in culture, then you have to explain. You have to explain what's happening. So we're doing a whole series called What Is That? Uh, to explain what you would see when you come into the house of the Lord, but also to show that it's in Scripture, the things that we practice here in this house, the things that we practice. Church is its own culture. We understand that. And there are some things that we do within the church confines that's not in the Bible. And then there's a lot of things we do that are in the Bible. And there are some things that Scripture gives you no latitude to divert from. And then there are places where scripture gives you some, some, some wiggle room where your culture or your expressed personality or what have you, you have some wiggle room where you can express it through the way that God made you. So we want to make sure that by the word of God, we, are, we know what God expects from us more than anything it's important that we know what god expects from us and then all the places where we have wiggle room i want you to be able to know that that's just wiggle room that nobody can judge you send you to hell tell you you're doing it wrong because that's just their wiggle room all right are you hearing me all right are you hearing me so it has always been a part of our journey to teach you the bible somebody shout the bible somebody shout the bible I've always been a part, it's always been a part of our journey from the inception of this house that we give you the word of God. And that goes counter church culture sometimes. It does. It just goes counter church culture sometimes. But but we want to stay with scripture. So today is one of those Sundays I'm going to ask you, I don't care what denomination you came in here with, I need you to take it off. All the stuff that, they, that we taught you in Sunday school, I need you to put it to the side right now. And for some of us that are new in the body of Christ, this is going to be relevant to you. Some of you that have been walking with God for a little while, this is going to be a challenge to you, potentially a challenge to you. Or maybe it will cement and ratify what God has been, what God has been showing you. But today, uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit and particularly we want to talk about the gift of tongues amen somebody shout tongues all right so our scripture read starts in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and it reads like this I'm reading from a new King James Bible it says uh, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and then there appeared tongues to them, like divided tongues as a fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave 
them utterance. I want you to find about three people real quick, and I want you to ask them, what is that? What is that? And when you get to the last one, I want you to, when you get to the last one, just tell them, I'm just filled with the Spirit. I'm just filled with the Spirit. I'm just filled with the Spirit. That's all. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, I pray now that you would uh, give language and that you would speak to us and that you would challenge us in a way that blesses your, uh, your throne. Father, I pray more importantly that you would anoint me to teach what the Spirit of the Lord is challenging us into and that you would allow me to preach uh, under the unction of the Holy Ghost. And then, Father, send the kind of anointing that makes receiving the gospel easier. For today, Lord, as you are challenging a generation, we must hear new, we must see new, if we are to act new. And Father, we give you the glory for it now in the matchless and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You can be seated in God's presence. Smile at somebody. Tell them it's just church. It's just church. Tell them it's okay. It's just church. It's just church. Um, want to spend a, a little bit of time uh, discussing and talking a tad bit about uh, what it means to be uh, filled with the Spirit. And we, um, we oftentimes, particularly if you are from a denominational church, you hear that kind of language and lingo all the time to be filled with the Spirit or to be filled with the Holy Ghost or things along that line. And and with that, it's always this accompanying action primarily of speaking in other tongues. And uh, and sometimes if you are not a part of the faith and the church culture or maybe you grew up in a denomination that didn't validate or discuss this very often, it's easy to walk into a church setting and start to scratch your head and say, what in the world are these people doing? And, and particularly people that you thought were really intelligent and really smart, and you're like, but she's a doctor. How in the world is she doing that stuff? Or he is, you know, a, 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 an esteemed person in community. How in the world is he doing that stuff? So uh, it's critical. It's critical because of where the world is now as we shift in transition and as we start to shift into the development and the movement of what the next generation is going to uh, take as their value system. We must dump out again. We must dump out the foundations and the tenets of our faith so that the next generation can take it, run with it, and make it work for them. We are in the, uh, a prophetic space. Uh, I, I explained this. If you didn't get a chance to get last week's sermon, please do so. We are in a prophetic space where the baton is not being passed anymore. The baton has been passed. We're no longer in the space of they have their hand on it, we have our hand on it. If you are my generation, if you are a millennial, the baton has been put in your hand. And now it's a matter of you running with it or not running with it. We're no longer at the space where we get to tell a generation how they should receive God, how they should take God. We can't tell our generations anymore what God acts like and looks like and feels like because every generation has their own value system. The things that they value or want or need from God are going to be very different than the things our generation valued, wanted, and needed from God. The transition of being the emerging generation who has the voice of relevancy at any point in time is the challenge because we want uh, the emerging voice, the emerging generation to take our value system and scream our value system out to the world. 
Well, the problem is, is that the question is not can they scream their val your value system out to the world, but when it was your season of relevancy, did you scream your value system out to the world? And oftentimes, particularly in my generation, not so much my parents' generation, but my generation, we did not take advantage of the platform of effectiveness that God gave us. So now, we are like parents who are not involved in the early stages and the development of our children's lives, but we catch them at 13. And when you're at 13, it's not that you can't put values inside of them, because in reality, they get their values within about the first six to seven years. And from that point forward, you are helping navigate them for how to use their values as, star, as, as opposed to dumping values in them. So part of the slant of the way that you hear me minister and the way that we have ministered is that we can't give the next generation values that we haven't already given them already. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We can't give, it's, it's too late to start trying to dump values in them that we neglected to give them the first X amount of uh, decades of their emergence. But what we can do is we can start to help refine and help guide. And now we, be, we come alongside of you and we are uh, mentors of sort, a tour guide of sort to help you find your voice so that you can honor God in your generation. For that, what that means to the body of Christ and what that means to the church is that the church has to help the body of Christ understand very foundational ideas concerning Christendom and concerning faith. What do I mean when I say ideas concerning Christendom and faith? Things like we have to wrestle with how are we born again? Is Jesus the only way, the truth, and the light? What are spiritual gift sets and how do we describe what laying on of hands are or like we're going to discuss today speaking in other tongues because every value system is going to want something different from God than the values that than the generation before them this we were one of the final generations that really leaned on spiritual giftedness in the same way that uh, the earlier church leaned on spiritual giftedness without calling fault to a generation this generation has leaned itself on its information and not its spiritual impartation and that is uh, potentially could be to the detriment of their future or it could be a, a great place for us to re-emerge in the dialogue and in the conversation to remind our brothers and sisters that you are not just human beings you are spirit beings Somebody shout, I'm a spirit being. I'm a spirit being having a human experience. That's what you are. You're a human being having a spiritual experience. So when someone comes into the body of Christ and they say, well, hey, guess what? Now you're in the house of the Lord and it's time for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit or you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to know what they're talking about. I'm going to help you break that down today. I'm going to discuss a couple of things. But before we do that, let's talk about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. This idea of being filled with the Spirit has, uh, has some synonyms that are attached to it. If uh, you guys can help me with the slide, I'm having 
having a hard time. So the idea of being filled with the Spirit is connected directly with understanding some of the synonyms that are connected to the conversation. Whenever we talk about the Spirit, you have to know who we're talking about. You might have heard somebody say filled with the Spirit. Other people say filled with the Holy Ghost. Other people say filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people say indwelled by the Spirit. Some people say baptized in the Holy Ghost. Some people say baptized. How many of y'all heard those kinds of those kinds of uh, all of it means the exact same thing you there is no difference between the holy spirit and the holy ghost even though some people want you to think that they're deeper because they call them the holy ghost as opposed to the people that say the holy spirit the holy ghost the holy spirit they're the exact same thing it is the holy pneuma of god the pneuma of god is the the central word here pneumatology is the study of the holy spirit this pneuma is a layered conversation word because uh, it, it literally is built out of the word breath. So pneuma is actually breath. So in one sense, you can call him the holy breath of God, the breathing of God. And whenever God breathes into something, it, 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 it takes on a living spiritual form. So breathing the holy breath, pneuma, the breath is also transliterated as spirit because you become a living spirit spirit and a spirit is a living entity that does not have a fleshly dwelling so now the and with the idea of not having a fleshly dwelling and being alive in spirit it is even further transliterated as ghost so the idea of living breath living spirit living ghost is is connected with the idea of god being the holy breath the holy spirit the holy ghost we are not talking about anything different when someone says you should be filled with the spirit well what spirit the holy spirit you should be filled with the holy ghost the what the holy ghost of god that's who you should be filled with and this is what we mean we all mean the same thing so you're not deeper than anybody because you say you fill with the Holy Ghost or you're not deeper than anybody or you're not more sophisticated because you're filled with his precious spirit and you're not it's not all of it is the same thing now when we say it's the same thing what do we mean is the same thing is that the spirit the pneuma the breath is uh, is the Holy Spirit and you'll hear me for the sake of our dialogue I will refer to him as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost of God now we have to understand who the Holy Ghost is and who the Holy Spirit is first of all the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit is not an it it's a he you know yeah we oftentimes will say you know I felt it I think no you didn't feel it you felt him because the Holy Spirit is, uh, as, as, the, um, as the, the simplicity of conversation is being spoken of, the Holy Spirit is God. And I don't want you to be caught up in this idea that we have been framed to see God as one picture in three frames. We call it the Trinity. We call him one picture in three frames. We have been framed to see the Father who is preeminent and above all things and the Son who is secondary to the Father. And then way off in the distance somewhere is the Holy Spirit who is hoping to get his respect for being a part of what we would call the triune Godhead. The idea that, there's a, that, that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is the distant third is the lie that the enemy wants you to swallow. He wants you to swallow this idea because you'll never reach out to the Holy Spirit as long as the Holy Spirit in your mind is a subsector of God or a subsector of the Father. 
So we have been taught in the Trinitarian world, and I was raised in the Trinitarian world. The Trinitarian world helps us see the Father as being preeminent, as, be, as the Son as being somewhat secondary, and the Holy Spirit as being kind of the third partner that gets his orders from all the big guys, the Father and the Son. But the Bible never uses the word Trinity. Trinity is actually not a biblical word at all. There is nothing in your Bible that refers to or discusses the idea, the concept of a Trinity. Now, where do we get this idea from? There was a guy named Tertullian. Tertullian was a philosopher slash theologian. Much of your scripture, you got to understand, comes from a philosophical thought, not a theological thought. And many of the words that we get in our Bible or that we refer to religiously first come through the thinking of human ingenuity and then written out by being birthed by the Spirit. So now, Tertullian is a guy that tried to look at God and determine how in the world can we define the enormity of the God that is described to us in scripture. Because he looked in the Old Testament and he saw him operating as father and then he looked in the New Testament and he referred to himself as God while he was calling himself Jesus and then when he ascended he sent back something called the Holy Spirit which was worshipped in the Bible and he looks up and he's calling himself God as well he's trying to define the idea so he said you know God is kind of like three in one or one with three parts and the best terminology I'll give it is the Trinity. Now, I get it, so I'm not running rod shot over your theology, but what I am saying is that it is very difficult to define a God that is undefinable. It is very difficult to define a God that is undefinable. So let me help you understand is that God is not three, God is one. And the church said, Amen. God is not three, He is one. I will, he will help you understand. I'm going to help you understand, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in a second. He is not three, God is one. And it's critical that you understand this because the oneness of God is what separated God from uh, the God of heaven, the God of Bible, from the gods of the age. When God brought the children of Israel together, He told the children of Israel that I am your Lord, I, your God. They put together a celebration in Deuteronomy called the Shema celebration, S-C-H-E-M-A, or some people spell it S-C-E-M-A, but it's the Shema celebration. And the Shema celebration is celebrating the oneness of who God is. And the, and the Shema celebration taunt go, or rant goes like, our God, the God of Israel is one. They would celebrate the God of Israel is one. The uniqueness between the heathen gods and the God of the world is that God told them that I am not many, I'm actually just one. And the identifying marker of me with everyone else is that when it rains, they create a God. And when, it, when the crops come, they create a God. And when they get pregnant, they create the God of fertility. And when they have children, they create the God of fruitfulness. And when they have the sun come up, he's the God of the sun and when the moon comes up he's the God of the moon and they have a litany of people that they worship and the difference between me and them is that I am God over it all I am God by myself I am not a plural plurality of gods I am one I am one I am one I am God and watch this I am God alone that's what he said I didn't say that stop looking at me like this he says I am God and I am God alone all 
by myself. And besides me, stay with me now, there will be no other. So you don't have to create a whole bunch of other little, you know, situations that's going on. That was the uniqueness. That was the primary uniqueness. Everybody went to God for help and wholeness and healing and salvation. But the uniqueness of the God of Israel was that he was one and he was by himself. He was not polygamous. He was monogamous in his presentation. Now, that becomes a problem because we see him as father who reigns over Israel. And then Jesus has the nerve to say that I'm the son of God, which is why we look at Jesus as being just a little bit less than the father because the father gets to tell Jesus what to do. And this is an erroneous pro process. If you understand God, you have to understand how he operates. Is that instead, when you get to heaven, let me promise you what's going to happen when you get to heaven. There is not going to be the father standing there. And next to the father is going to be the son who's standing there. And next to the son is going to be the Holy Ghost who's standing there. And when you get there, they're going to say in harmony, y'all ready? One, two, three. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. They doesn't operate like that. When you get to heaven, you are going to see God, however he chooses to express himself to us, you're going to see God all by himself in his glory and in his splendor. Watch this. If we're able to look upon him, I know we say that when we get there, we're going to see Jesus, but the Bible never said we're going to see him face to face like that. The Bible just says we'll get to see his glory. So we will have, the, we will be in the presence of the one God. Now here is the issue. When we talk about why is it that the Bible says that Jesus is God and the Holy Ghost is God? And how is it that you're saying that they're all one, even though there's a presentation of them being three? There is a presentation of the, of the three being scriptural. There is a presentation of the three as God defines himself in the world that he put himself in. You live in a 3D world right now. This room is a 3D room. There has a height. It has a depth. It has a breadth. Everything in our world is three parts. You are three parts. You have a body. You are a soul. And you possess a spirit. You have three parts. Everything about this world that we live in is operating in threes. And one of the testimonies of the way that God presents himself is that I am the God of every way that you exist. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He says, I'm the God of every way that you exist. This room is 3D, but we don't say we're in a room. You are 3D, but we don't call you a person. We don't call you people. You are a person. And if by chance you do refer to all the parts of yourself, we got a place for that. And the church is not where we take you. Amen. To Jesus. We visit you. So... <laughs> So the, so the concept, though, stay with me now, because the seriousness of it is, is that God now, who is in heaven, he ends up with a colossal issue. He ends up with a colossal problem. And this is what Tertullian had to deal with that we're going to deal with for a handful of minutes. He had a colossal issue. He had a colossal issue because he created a man, and he never intended or meant to ever have to be revealed to the world as, as redeemer or as paraclete, long side. He intended that he would have and stay in his presence and stay in his space. 
and that the human being that he created would honor him and stay in its space. The problem is, is that the human being who is in his own dimension of existence, in the dimension of the same world, and the father who is in the dimension of the spirit world, which means that he exists as spirit, which means that he has no limitation to the way he can exist. That's how he can be everywhere, all the time, at the same time, in everything, through and through, present, past, future, he is there because he's not confined to a body that limits you to time and space. So he is the God that is everywhere all at the same time. And that is because he is in spirit. Somebody shout in spirit. He is in spirit. In fact, he invited them to worship him. He said that those of you that worship me have to worship me, watch this, where I am in spirit and in truth. He said, you got to come to where I am, where there is no time, where there is no space, where there are no limits. You have to come. That is the God that spoke to Adam and said, Adam, be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, have dominion over the birds of the air, the fowl of the ground, and of the fishes of the sea. All of this earth I will have given to you as a steward underneath my authority. And every day you'll come to me and we'll discuss how your day went and I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And Adam, who honored God and would have allowed him to stay in the, the expression of himself as he was, did something colossal. He sinned. When he sinned, now there was an enemy that was against the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of the same world. He had given himself his own authority. He had given himself his own say-so concerning his life. We call that sin. Whenever you decide you're going to self-govern your life and not allow God to govern your life, God says that that is against my law and my rule, and he calls the against the law and the rule sin. Watch this. That means you don't have to be a bad person to be a sinner. You just have to be a person who is lawless in the eye of God to be considered a sinner. Are you following what I'm saying? That's why good people sin. I know we taught you that sinners are always bad people, but sometimes good people govern their own self. And God says that when you choose to govern yourself, this is not a religious issue. This is a governmental issue. And you don't get to pull away from my kingdom and not be considered rebellion. So he looks at Adam and Eve and he tells them that here's the problem is that you have now become lawless. You have sinned against my, my attributes and my law. And the problem is, is that with sin also comes the punishment of sin because the wages of sin is the wages of sin is death. So I have to kill this human thing that I created. The colossal problem that he had was not that Adam sinned and not that God could not eradicate sin, but it was with God's word. And the problem is God's word is that God said that his word, when he put it out there, it can never come back to him not having accomplished what he sent it out to do. And his word to Adam was, you're going to be fruitful, you're going to multiply, and you're going to subdue the earth, the birds in the air, the fowl on the ground, and the fish in the sea. And if I kill you, you cannot do what my word was set out to do. 
So God is now in a problem. He's in a pickle because he's got sin and he's got his word. And he has to determine which one of these are going to carry the higher weight. Is the sin going to be able to overthrow God's word and eliminate Adam from his destiny? Or is God going to have to, within the creative confines of his own being, figure out a way to eradicate sin and to allow the mankind to take care of what it's supposed to take care of and him not go against his word that says that the soul that sinneth shall die. So in his creative idea, God said, I can figure this thing out. And what he said to himself, according to the book of Genesis, is what he said to himself is that what I have to do is I have to create something that can take the place of Adam but it has to be in the dimension of which Adam committed the sin. God, I am spirit. Sin was committed in flesh. I have to allow something that is human to pay the price for the sin of humans because I, in the spirit, didn't sin against myself. The, the, the human being sinned against me. So I must find a way to put a human in the earth that could pay and that can pay for the sin that Adam owes me. Adam, you owe me your life. And the problem is that if I put a man there, he'll die. What could pay the price for sin that won't die? I need somebody that can pay the price for sin that will die but not die. I need somebody that can pay the price for sin that will die but won't die. Because if he dies, my word doesn't come back to me. I'm God, so I need a human being in order to die. But if a human dies, then my word doesn't come back. So whatever human that goes into the earth has to be able to die but not die. So he started to think about it. And as he was thinking about it, he said, I fit the bill. I am the only thing that never dies. I, me being God, I don't die. He said, but watch this. I'm not a human yet. So, so what I'm going to do is I am going to make a body for myself. Are y'all following me now? He said, I'm going to create a body for me. And what I'll do is I will put myself inside of a woman. I can't put myself inside of a man because according to the context of scripture, sin is passed down through the seed. Seminal sin is what they call it. Sin is passed down through the seed man or the seminal seed. So men carry the gene for sin. And when he impregnates a woman, he impregnates a woman and the child now takes the DNA and the gene from both mom and dad and the sin gene is passed so we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity God I'm preaching in here better than y'all saying amen so now we are born in sin and we come into this world with my cute little babies they're gonna be some cute little sinners when they get to the world and we just gonna have to trust that God is covering them until you know and but and I say that facetiously but you know literally there is a, a sense of truth to that that God covers that until there is understanding but however it is, it is God in heaven saying that, look, I'm the only one that fits the bill that can never die, that can die but never die. But I've got to come out of my dimension and enter into their dimension because the human sinned. I didn't sin. So I must become a human 
so that I could pay the price for sin. So he told the angels, prepare for me a body. That's what your Bible says. He said, prepare for me a body so that I can go into the world and pay the price for sin. And what happens now is he has to bypass the man so he doesn't put himself in the seed of Joseph. He puts himself in the body of Mary. And Mary wakes up one day. She starts to say, my stomach is queasy and my head is a little feverish and, 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 you know, and I'm not feeling all that good. I think I'm pregnant. Now, the problem with her waking up pregnant is that she was engaged to a man. And the man was trying to be righteous. He was trying to keep his hands off of her. So she shows up one day and she says, you know, I've been around a lot of pregnant people and I'm starting to feel like I'm pregnant. And I promise you, I haven't touched anybody. Now, now, Joseph said, the Bible, this is the Bible, this is not me. Joseph said, really? You're pregnant and no man has ever touched you. He said, no, I promise you, no man has ever touched you. I'm going to tell you what Joseph thought. He thought just like a bunch of us thought. The Bible said Joseph went and talked to his parents, and he went and talked to her parents. And he was like, I'm just going to send her back home and do this real quietly. I'm not going to embarrass her and put her on Facebook. I'll just send her back home, and she can go her way. So the Bible says that an angel shows up to Joseph and says, nah, nah, nah. I need you to stick with her because she is pregnant, watch this, not with a man's seed, but with the holy seed. So, so God now has bypassed the route that's, that brings sin into the world so that Jesus could accomplish a couple of things. That he could not just be prophetically right by being born of a virgin, but that he bypasses the sin part of the human experience and he can be perfect and sinless. So whatever's operating in her body, she is now the incubator for a sinless thing, a sinless thing that, that is now the scripture says is going to be according to Romans 5 the second Adam that's what your Bible says now what does he mean when he calls him the second Adam Adam's first job was to honor God and to be sinless and subdue the world etc 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 as we explain Adam blew it and then Jesus comes and said I'm going to come back and do what Adam didn't do I'm going to be the human being that God wants to use in the earth. I'm going to show you how it's done. And the way I'm going to show you how it's done is that when I rise up, you won't even view me as being God. You're going to view me as being, watch this, the son of God. So now, this is how we get our idea. What in the world do we do with this second person whose now name is Jesus, who is claiming that he is God? Do you remember the story of Jesus at Pilate's house? He said, are you telling me that you are a king? And Jesus said back to him, it is as you have said. He, he, said, he said, it's exactly what you're saying right now. He said, in fact, I could call down a legion of angels and escape me out of this situation at any moment in time I want to, but I came for a mission. And my mission was to be God in the flesh. My, watch this. My mission wasn't to be the second part of the Godhead. My mission was to come as God who put on a body so that I could pay for the sins of people that don't want to accept me. 
That's what he does. So he puts on this body and he maneuvers with limitations while at the same time being the God who is in spirit. He is the God that is all over the universe all at the same time through and through everything that will be, could be, that would be created while at the same time limiting himself to time and to space. Having the human experience now. So Jesus is now teaching us how to be Adam. This is what Adam was supposed to do. This is how Adam was supposed to behave. This is how Adam was supposed to have authority. This is how Adam, and then he reminds us, now this is what you are supposed to be doing. And we got it twisted that some kind of way when he called himself the son of God, that he became a little lesser than God. And that is not the reality. Philippians said this, that he came down and he they call it the kenosis theory uh, Philippians chapter uh, 2 I believe he said the kenosis theory that he came out and he dumped himself not of his godness of the trinkets that made him God he said when I came to earth I took the crown off and I took the glory off when I came to earth what I took off is the title and I took off when I came to earth and and you've got to understand how much God really thinks about a title God thinks about a title very differently than you and I think about titles because we think that the titles make the man when in God's eyes the man makes the title so he said I'll give you back the titles but it don't make me less God I'm gonna help y'all in here today so he gives back the titles so, but he's still God the Bible says that we looked at him so much that we did he looked so much like us and he operated so much like us that we did not perceive that he was God in the flesh and here he is on his mission. He is his mission. And he says, well, how should we refer to you if you're God? He said, well, call me the son of God. He says, and I'm going to show you how to be the second Adam. Jesus' mission was not to be subordinate to the father because he was subordinate to the father. His mission was to behave subordinate to the idea of the father so that we can learn how to be more like the thing that he created. We were the he was our example. That's what he says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus was our example of how to do it. What was that example? Is that we would submit ourselves to a father, that when the father speaks, we would respond and behave, that we would lay hands on the sick and cast out demons and declare just like the father. Jesus did those things for our example, not for us to lower him down and make him a lesser part of the Godhead. Are you hearing me? It was the idea that we, I am a son, and so are you and me. We are sons of God. Jesus said, I'll be the son to show you how to be the son of God. Y'all are not talking back to me. Though it does not yet appear, it shall, it will appear that we shall be called sons. Somebody shout sons. You are a son. You are a son of God. And though the Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be, what we do know is that when he appears we shall see him as he is we will be sons Jesus the son of God was a son to show us how to be sons and daughters that was the purpose of the sonship the Bible says that as the time went on and he realized that it was important and it was critical for him to finish his mission the truth about his purpose started to arise he comes up the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit of God starts to show up 
and the, uh, uh, the, the power of God rather starts to show up through Jesus and he goes to a cross he goes to a cross and he is now the sacrificed lamb for the sins of all of humanity the world the human beings now Adam is about to have his sins dealt with Jesus goes to a cross and he dies and he dies and then he comes back he dies stays three dead dead three days and he comes back he has to die because the wages of sin is death but you can't finish your job human being if you're dead so you have to come back to life so that you can finish what I told you to finish Adam could not achieve that but God who puts on flesh could achieve that so now God who was in heaven who was reigning all the universe is actually showing the power of who he is by reigning in the earth as son giving example while he's teaching he is teacher and student of how to walk with God from day to day now before Jesus died he came back and after three days he sat with his disciples and he tried to tell them he said this body I'm not going to stay in this body I want you to understand everything I did was for you to understand what God is going to do with you not what he's with me because you're going to die one day y'all not talking back to me you're going to die one day watch this and the bible says that on that day he was going to raise you up as well jesus came back in his body the bible says that it wasn't a normal body it was a glorified body somebody shout glorified it was a body that was the way God always intended a body to be. Y'all remember Jesus before, the, before he died? He had to knock on doors in order to come in. But after he died, he just walked through the door and showed up in the room. It, the same body. It looked like it was him, but it was a glorified body. Jesus said the same thing about you and me. He said that when you and I die, he said he's going to raise up your soul and your body and he's going to give you a glorified y'all not talking back to me in here give me a glorified body on the other side. But he said that while before I do all that, I'm going to go away and before I go away, he says I'm going to leave with you me. I'm going to leave with you alas. The Greek word is alas, A-L-L-O-S. It means another one like me. He says, I'm going to leave you with the paraclete, the comforter, another alas, another one that is like me. Now, people are saying, see, he said another one, as if that is different than who he is. Well, you got to understand the language. The language when he says another one like me, if he would have just said another one, I'm going to leave somebody else for you, that would have been different. But he said, it's going to be another one that's like me, which basically means that I'm going to have me. It'll be me, but it'll be like me. It won't have a body like me. It's going to be me without my body. It's going to be me without my body. It'll be me without my body. And you won't have to call me Holy Jesus no more because Jesus is my name with a body. He says, so I'll be, I'll be back in spirit form. I want you to understand. He says, so I'm going to go away and I'm going to build you a mansion and then where my father is, you're going to be with me also and I'm going to go and I'm going to take care of the sin issue. He said, but I will not leave you without a comforter. I will leave the paraclete, according to John 14. I will leave a comforter, a helper. That's helper, like your, your, your parachute is your helper in your time of suspension 
without the help it would be problems he says that when you're in this suspended season of your life I'm going to send the paraclete the helper that is the Holy Spirit he said I'm going to send the paraclete to help navigate your world while the while I'm not in the body now how does he work this whole triune thing out is that in the Old Testament he was the God that reigned from the clouds and the sky Moses said he was a pillar of fire at night and he was a cloud that covered us by day then when Jesus came on the scene the cloud left and the the the, uh, the fire left and he was with us in body he was not just over us he was now with us Emmanuel is what they called him God with us he is now Emmanuel with us he leaves us in body and now he sends his spirit and his spirit is not going to be above us or with us his spirit is going to be in us he says do you not know that your body is the temple or the house of the Holy Spirit and the spirit pneuma breath ghost of God dwells in you greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world so when God says that when Tertullian looks at this and he says oh my God he says how do I describe this God thing is that he's in heaven he's God when he's on earth he's a servant now he's in the body he's got to be a distant third some kind of way what Tertullian got right is trying to understand the way that God functions in ministry what he got wrong is that they were three different entities all together that is one God one Lord y'all not talking back to me one faith one baptism he is one God and when you talk about the Holy Spirit of God you are not talking about anyone lesser than Jesus or lesser than the Father you are talking about Jesus and you are talking about the Father we call him the Holy Ghost because he is God inside of us not with us or above us and you are being filled y'all are not talking back to me filled with the Spirit now pastor you messing with me pastor you messing with my theology because they all everybody always taught me that it was you know it was the God on this part of the triangle and it was the Son on this part of the triangle and it was the Holy Spirit on this part of the triangle and they, even though they had three ends they were one triangle and a triangle is a horrible way to describe God because God would have described himself as a circle as an infinite no beginning no end no breaks no y'all Am I helping anybody in here? I'm trying to help you understand because even I'm going to fall short of trying to describe the God of the Bible because he says in the Bible that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Who can understand the mind of God? None of us know why he decided to express himself the way he did, but he does remind us that though you see me in these ways, do not get it confused because I'm leaving you not with my substance subsequent part of myself I'm leaving you with me you don't have a piece of me you got me you don't have a lesser version of me you have me and I think the body of Christ misses that sometimes that inside of you is all of God and all of his splendor and all of his majesty and all of his power I think we miss that sometimes because we treat our bodies any kind of way and we treat each other any kind of way and we talk crazy and we behave crazy as if there's not creative power watch this from the spirit that is within us 
to create the life that God always told Adam he used to create. So now when we talk about being filled with the Spirit, we are not being filled with something that is a distant second. We're not being filled with an it. We're not being filled with this cloud and this unique, that, the Holy Spirit. You are being filled with God in all of his glory, all of his splendor, all of his majesty, all of his might, all of his glory, all of it. Y'all not talking back to me in here. He's not on your shoulder. He's in you right now. If you are born again, you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. God is in you. Somebody shout, he's in me. He's in you. 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 And we're going to have to get the rest of this next week, but he's in you. I, I want you to see this because as we, just, as we start to discuss, as we start to discuss, pull, pull back, pull back. Who's in control? You in control of me. As, as he starts to pull back, well, uh, I just need to know because I'll be pushing on buttons and if they doing it and I can put this down. Amen to Jesus. All right. So now when we talk about being filled with the spirit, we are talking about, watch this, we are talking about the act of God endowing himself to us, empowering himself. Well, uh, the definition is the act of being endowed and empowered by God himself, watch this, with himself. God, that's it right there. He, it's the idea of God empowering you, not with power from some other place, not with gifts from some other place. God is empowering you with himself. He is the weapon he gave you. Jesus, help me in this place. He is the weapon that he gave you. And he does it, watch this, for only two reasons. For a supernatural relationship with him or for a supernatural power that, or, or a service that you have to give to the earth. There is no other reason for you to need the Spirit of God unless the Spirit of God is going to draw you into relationship with God in a stronger fashion or that God is going to empower you to do service in the earth. And I'll tell you one thing, if you've ever done service here in the earth, you need power beyond your own. Am I talking to anybody in here? You need power beyond yourself. You need to, like, God, I need the strength right now because I remember one time I was, I was feeding the homeless. I was helping this guy out, and um, uh, I, I tell this story from time to time. I went up to him, and I kneeled down, and I gave him a nice little sandwich and gave him a bag of chips, and, you know, he sat up, and I'm thinking, all right, this brother's about to say thank you, and he stood up, and he grabbed the sandwich, and he looked at me like this, and he took the sandwich, and he threw it up the street, and I was like, man. I, I'm like, what are you doing? He took the chips and put them on his feet and smashed them. He said, that's what you can do with your sandwich. I was about to lay hands on him, but, but it wouldn't have been the power of the Holy Ghost. It would have been, you know, I was like, oh, God, oh, God, Holy Ghost, I need you to do ministry. I'm telling you, when you get ready, when God gets ready to do supernatural things in your life, he will empower you with himself so that you can do supernatural things. Get your, yourself out the way and you can get all your isms out of the way. Am I talking to anybody in here? Y'all quiet in the balcony. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit is all about. He empowers you with himself so you can get past yourself to do something that is a supernatural service for him before God. Now, the thing is, it's like when you say, but like, Pastor, where in the world does this start? Where do we get this from? Because when the filling of the Spirit, the filling of being filled with the Holy Ghost, with the power of God, being filled with God, oftentimes is linking to the phenomena of speaking in other tongues. The glossolalia, the glossolalia is the Greek word, which means other languages or other 
other tongues the idea of tongues is just the way they would have spoken in the Middle East is that uh, they would ask you what is your native tongue what is your native language what is that that's what they're asking so speaking of other tongues means that it's a it's a language somebody shout language it's a language now Acts chapter 2 where we read is where it all started is that when we come to Acts chapter 2 the Bible uh, uh, shows that when the church was birthed he now created a divide of his kingdom at the same time while we're on earth stay with me now when Adam is with God it is the kingdom of God that is operating in this earth when Adam sins from God the Bible says that there is now a dual kingdom dual d-u-a-l kingdom operating in the world the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light those of us that are born again are operating now in the kingdom of light remember what Peter said is that he took you out of the darkness and brought you in to the marvelous light he says that he is the the kingdom of light is operating in the world now because the kingdom of light is operating in the world our king is jesus in the kingdom of darkness their king is the world and its systems and its ideologies for the way life goes but in our world it, the king is the is jesus who is our christ our anointed one our representative of god's things in all the earth we stand on this side now that church this collective body of people that are in the kingdom of light is called the church somebody shout church if you were with us last week you were well endowed of what the global church is about it's not your denomination it's not this house it is the global part of people all over this world that are in this kingdom of light now this kingdom of light and the king is Jesus what happens now is that whenever you step into a sovereign kingdom you have unique peculiarities that are directed toward you that are different than people that are outside of that kingdom now you got to stay with me because um, the day of Pentecost is when God started to give the church, the people in the kingdom of life, some identifying markers. Jesus had just died, Pente, 50, Pentecost, the celebration of 50. He just starts to have, the, they're having the celebration of 50. Big party happening out in the streets like Mardi Gras. Jesus, before he goes up, tells his disciples, I'm going to go away and I want you guys to go in this room and start to pray. We call it the upper room. I want you to go and pray. And while you're praying, he said, when Pentecost comes, he says, I'm going to show you everything that I've been telling you, that I'm, my spirit is going to come back into this world. Jesus ascends into heaven, Acts chapter 1. After the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, fully comes. They are in this upper room and they're praying and they're believing God. And they're saying, God, this gift that you promised, we don't know what it's going to feel like. We don't know what it's going to look like. But our prayer, Holy Spirit, is that you send this gift, send it, send it. And while they were praying, the Bible says, all of a sudden, this is Luke. We don't know if this is literal, but this is the way Luke said he saw it. He said, all of a sudden, it appeared divided tongues and it was like little glimpses of fire and it sat upon each person that was there and they began to speak in other dialects and in other tongues as the spirit as God gave them the utterance and I mean he says they spake in other tongues he's saying that they gave they gave sounds and while they were giving sounds the spirit started giving the words and we knew that it was not them why because according to Acts 11 watch what happens now he, uh, 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 excuse me 
stand in Acts chapter 2, what starts to happen is they look at the disciples and they say, aren't they Galileans? Why are they speaking to us in our languages? Remember, the festival was like a Mardi Gras. There were over 30, 40 some odd dialects in the audience and when the spirit came they began to speak the dialects of the people in the audience but they were Galileans Galileans were considered ignorant people unlearned they were the fishermen they were the hard workers they were the laborers how dare they come in and now they speak in second and third and fourth languages and they are all praising God this is a significant issue and a problem to the sensible believer Acts chapter 2 is where that starts they are speaking in what they says unknown tongues now stay with me because I told you that there was a kingdom of light and there was a kingdom of darkness I want you to understand that if you drive 20 minutes south of this border you will move into the federation of Mexico you're the the sovereign federation of Mexico as a matter of fact when you cross over into that border I know you got your little U.S. passport and you feeling like you somebody because everybody near the border speaks English well I have to help you understand that while they all speak English is because they need to communicate with how to get money from you that's not because that's their language it's because it's because when you go to the resort and you go to the place that you think is Mexico you've limited Mexico to the resorts that you go to and I and all of a sudden Mexico you know this is Mexico then you, okay they're like us they, they speak language like us well no if you go into Mexico and beyond where you spend dollars and go to where people live and where people are doing regular life you will see that they have some identifying cultural markers that make them poignantly different than you as an American they're not walking I promise you they're not walking around with an American flag on their chest hoping that we come and rescue them that's not what's happening they're not walking around what and and as a matter of fact in their homes they're not speaking English they are speaking the language of their sovereign land you got to understand this because what happens now is now you can go back to the United States and demand that everybody speak English but you can't go into another country's sovereign land and demand that they talk the way you talk and dress the way you dress and take on your heroes and take on your idols and take on your God you don't get to do that because you're in their sovereign somebody shout sovereign God amongst the many things refers to his kingdom as the sovereign kingdom of God that means that when you come into his kingdom there are culture differences that are different from the kingdom that you came out of and the deeper you go into the kingdom of God the language changes I just said something y'all awfully quiet in here when the deeper you get in God the language changes at the peripheral it's just like everybody else we behave like everybody else we we act a fool like everybody else we cheat like everybody else we lie like everybody else but as you start moving in closer into the space of God God starts to demand a change of culture he starts to say you got to take off the stuff that identified you with that and put on what identifies you with this you've got to take Take off the way of that and put on the way of this. Are y'all following me in here? And when and then eventually he says, You are so deep in me that I need you to start to speak like me. And this is the phenomenon that we call speaking in other tongues. It is the idea of communicating in a language as an act of worship. 
That is, called, that is what we call speaking in other tongues. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you this, and then we'll, we'll come back next week because I want you guys to finish where I finished with first service. Communicating in a known or unknown language or tongue is, as an act of worship is what we call, the Bible calls glossolalia, where we call it speaking in other tongues. Are y'all still with me? Good, good, good. Um, speaking in other tongues and in other languages, uh, in, a, in a, un, another language. Now, this is not new to the church. It has been prophesied before we got here. According to Isaiah, the scripture shows us uh, that he tells the church in Isaiah, or he tells the people in Isaiah in 28, he says, he says, I want you to see that with other tongues and with the lips and other lips, I will speak to my people. Paul teaches us in, in chapter 4, in uh uh, there we go. Uh, Paul teaches us in Second uh, Corinthians or in First Corinthians chapter fourteen that when God spoke to the children in Isaiah twenty-eight, this text, He actually meant He was talking about the phenomena of glossolalia. And in fact, the original language doesn't say with other tongues and with other lips. It says with lispering lips and stammering tongues. He says, I will speak to my people with lispering lips, with the ta-ta-ta, ha-ha-ha, ya-ya-ya, that y'all hear people that are talking in tongues. He said, with lispering lips and stammering tongues, I'm going to establish a communication of worship with them. God, help me in this place. I'm going to establish a communication of worship with them. And he says this in the scripture. He tells us, watch this. The two types of tongues are a known tongue and an unknown tongue. Somebody shout known tongue. In Acts chapter 2, he says, when they were all amazed, they marveled looking at one another, saying, are these who speak Galileans? He says, and how is it that, we, that they hear each other, we hear them, rather, in our own language? At Acts chapter 2, when they spoke in other tongues, they spoke the dialects and the languages of the people that were present at the festival. They were the the Assyrian was like, wow, how in the world are they talking in my language? And the Parthenian was like, how in the world are they speaking in my language? And the Sumerian was like, boy, that sounds like, why are they all talking in our language? Aren't they, watch this, Galileans, aren't they the uneducated people? Aren't they the ones that only speak Hebrew? Wow, how in the world are they talking with us? They recognized that as being a phenomena of the spirits filling. Peter stood up in the middle and said, they said, oh, they must be drunk. Peter stood up, read Acts chapter 2. He stands up and he says, nah, we're not drunk as you suppose. This is that that the prophet Joel said. And he was trying to explain to them that this is a part of the prophetic utterance by which God says that I'm going to talk to my people the deeper they get into me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, the unknown tongue, somebody shout unknown. Unknown tongue is the language that is speaking where we don't know what is being said. We'll talk more about this next week in 1 Corinthians 14. But watch what Paul says. He says that the one who speaks in an unknown language does not speak to men, but he talks directly to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, watch what he speaks. He speaks mysteries. Somebody shout mysteries. Somebody shout mysteries. I need you to understand the phenomena, and we'll leave it here of what happens when you speak in other tongues. What happens when you speak in other tongues is that you avail yourself to allow God to speak to himself. I need you to see how that works. The spirit that is in you is, is now waiting on, the whole, uh, waiting on God to declare from you, watch this, what God wants to say to himself. 
because there are prayers that God wants to answer that if you say it in your intellect you're going to pray something that you don't really need so God looks at her and says you know what the last thing you need is to be praying for another house what you need to be praying for is for your marriage to survive or you won't have a house so, so instead of praying for more of a house he said I'll do the praying for her watch this because I don't want to give another house I want to give a home y'all are not talking I'm preaching to somebody in here. He says, so I will begin to pray because we have taught you to pray for more houses and to pray for more cars and to pray for bigger this and to pray for more clothing and to pray for more of this. And we have taught you these selfish prayers before God and we're wondering why God is not answering prayers. God answers prayers. He just answers the prayers that are in line with his will. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in the book of Romans, he says that we pray things that we are not to pray. He says, so the spirit must now make intercession for us. Y'all are not talking back to me. That is praying in other tongues. Is the spirit saying, that boy going to mess around and he going to get his Bentley, but he going to lose his children. That boy going to mess around. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. He going to mess around and she going to get that nice ring, but her husband going to walk right out the door. Let me pray for her because I want to be a blessing and I want her to see miracles and I want her to see a full life and not just a life with a nice house. I want her to see a full life and not just a life with a big car. I want her to see healing in her children, community made whole, faith. Y'all are not talking back to me in here. And he said that I will put myself inside of you and I will pray to myself for your benefit. And all you have to do is supply the sounds as the spirit of God gives y'all missed that y'all missed that y'all missed that you missed that he said as the spirit of God and they were filled with the Holy Spirit as the spirit of God gave the language they had to give the sound are you following what I'm saying are y'all with me this morning are you with me this morning and then sometimes, and he says, and they pray mysteries. They pray things. That's, isn't that amazing that God knows you better than you know you? You are an evolving thing. And as you are evolving, you are learning more about you and learning more about what you want, learning more about what you like. Some of y'all think y'all like chocolate right now. And when you go through menopause, you're going to hate chocolate. And you're going to be like, but I knew, but you didn't know yourself because you are an ever-evolving self. Some of you think you're confident right now. And then when you turn 45 and your belly come out and your hair start receding, you ain't as confident as you used to think you were and some of y'all at 18 and 19 you know who you are and know where you're going and then you're going to go to college and all of a sudden everything you thought you knew you're going to see that the world is bigger than the block you grew up on because we are ever evolving people you don't know all about you but God knows everything about you the Bible said that before he formed you he absolutely knew everything about you so when God prays for you he prays for things that you don't even know you want yet he prays for things you don't even know that hurt you yet he prays for things that you don't even know affect your life yet you haven't even gotten to the place where it hurts you yet but God says I'm praying for that before you even get there that's how healing gets that's how healing beats you to your hurt God help me in this place it's because God prays for the healing before you experience the hurt so when you get to the hurt somebody has already prayed for you and, 
And if you walk in the Christian church and you hear somebody speaking in other tongues, they're speaking in other languages and they don't know what we're doing, you'll be scratching your head saying, these people are nuts. They're fanatics. They're way out of here. They are totally some other place. No, I'm not a fanatic. I'm not crazy. I'm not out of here. In fact, I'm humble enough to allow God to speak for me because I know I can't speak for myself. Y'all are not talking back to me I I'm, I'm humble enough to go ahead and let God say what he needs to say and move my life in the direction he needs it to go because when I say things I mess stuff up are y'all follow me y'all follow me so 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 Paul says I would that everybody was speaking other tongues <laughs> he said don't come to me you get the tongue God gives you the mysteries he said don't come to me don't come to me God is the one that preaches mysteries you waiting on me to prophesy something that's in you and all you got to do is go home and let the Holy Spirit do it for you amen amen but the gift somebody shout the gift somebody shout the gift somebody shout the gift the gift and we'll go through all of this later but the gift is something that every person in this place, every person in this place can experience and should experience as you grow deeper with God. I want y'all to stand to your feet real quick. I want to pray for you. Did that bless anybody? Yeah. Will you give God a hand praise? Will you give God a hand praise? Will you give God a hand praise? Listen. I do you a disservice just walking in this room and starting to teach about tongues when you don't understand or when we have to have our mind repositioned about who the Holy Spirit is when we have to have our mind recalibrated that the Holy Spirit is not an it he's not a distant person in the Trinity he's not somebody that's far off and, that, and I didn't go in on the Trinity to make anybody's theology messed up if it's, that's the way you understand God hang in there with it I'm not saying that's not a problem I'm trying to help you understand that if you start layering a hierarchy in God like our teaching has forced us to do. It's not anybody's fault. We are just forced to do that. We're just forced to do it. It's, we start to put things in an order that the Father is greater than the Son because the Son says that I don't do anything that my Father didn't tell me to do. But you got to understand why he's doing that because he's showing us what we're supposed to be doing. He's showing us that this is our job. This is what Adam was supposed to do. What you all are supposed to do. Walking in that Adam like authority. That's what we're supposed to do. So I'm going to show you that nothing that the Father tells me to do, I'm going to do. Watch my obedience. Watch And watch how he moves and uses me when I do that. Are you following me? He's not saying I'm lesser. I'm lesser. I'm lesser. I'm not quite God. I'm not a little bit further. That's not what he's saying. Right, And when he says the Holy Spirit is going to be here to, to be a witness of me And the Holy Spirit is going to empower you John chapter 14 The Holy Spirit will guide you in the truth It will sear and touch on your conscience It will give you strategy The Holy Spirit He's like the Holy Spirit is going to come And he's going to be doing What I'm doing He's going to be doing what I'm doing And I don't want you afraid Of the power I don't want you afraid And if you don't have the language that helps people who are not in the kingdom try to understand. You just tell them what I just said. Hey, man, there's a kingdom of light, there's a kingdom of dark, and there's a language in the spirit that I can I can tap into, and it doesn't make me less intelligent, doesn't make me less smart, because eventually I got to come out the spirit and go to work. Eventually I got to come out the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you can't be at work. Jesus. 
ain't no, if you didn't study, ain't no use of laying your hands on your books the night before the test. <laughs> no, uh-uh. You got to come out the spirit. <laughs> Amen to Jesus. So he says, we'll go over all the benefits next week, but he says, I give you a language. He says, I give you a language where, where I'll take control. And the issue is not if you should have a language. The issue is, are you willing to give me control? The issue is, is, is my spirit inside of you? If you're born again, there can be no regeneration without my spirit. He said, but the issue is, will you give me control? Will you give me control? And I grew up in the church space. <laughs> I grew up in the church space where after they got through preaching this sermon, they'd ask everybody to come down to the front. This is how I grew up. I don't know how y'all grew up. And they asked you to come down to the front if you want to be filled and if you want to speak in other tongues. They had this idea that, that you weren't filled if you didn't speak. And I, want, I am going to push on that and challenge that as a concept. Where they bring you down and then they say, now just begin to pray and give God the glory. Come on now. Say thank you, Jesus. Come on now. Give God some praise. And they would just stand there and they just stand with you. Like, come on now. Come on now. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And you lift your hands. You say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And they say, come on. That's almost it. Say, thank you, Jesus. Come on now. Give it. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's how I grew up. I don't know about y'all. Y'all like, you know, I grew up, I grew up with the paper Bible, not with the, you know, Bible on the cell phone. I grew up with the, you know, I was the real Bible. Y'all like, yeah. I grew up with the paper Bible. Come on. Come on. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Hand me that Bible right there. Come on, sir. Come on, sir. Come on. Speak, speak, speak. And the saints, while they was clapping, and they speak they take the Bible and say come on now speak now come on now y'all didn't grow up like that they say come on speak speak out of your mouth out of your belly out of your belly y'all y'all ain't y'all ain't sanctified y'all are not sanctified even y'all grow up like that sanctified they say come on now speak 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 and we'd be like thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord Lord I want to be filled Lord fill me with the Holy Ghost thank you Jesus thank you Jesus come on now speak 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 and if you was right at the tusk they'd be like that's it that's it that's it that's it son that's it and and they would I want you to uh, and, and watch this a lot of people got filled with the Holy Ghost that way yeah some people faked it so they could leave but but people got filled because why we because I'm going to tell you for some of you that desire the gift I'm going to tell you how it has to happen while they were playing while they were standing in front of us saying come on come on come on come on come on come on they were not being overly religious they were being spiritual midwives because there was something we were trying to birth Sada. There was something we were trying to birth and we didn't know how to get it out. And y'all live in a world, we live in a world today where if you cut on your computer, your cell phone, is five or six commercials before you even get to what you came to the site for. And it's always something popping up in the corner and something got to this and you got to click it off. And you can't hardly focus on your page, what you, the article you're trying to read because there's something always showing up. And what they did is they stood in your space and they wouldn't let a negative thought come in your mind. Come on, come on, you focus on God. Just focus on God. They wouldn't let the anger come up in your heart. Say thank you, Jesus. Say thank you, Jesus. They wouldn't let frustration. Y'all are not talking back. All the stuff that keeps you off focus for what God is trying to do, it looked crazy today, but then they were trying to help you stay focused so you can get what you wanted from God. Woo, God help me in this place. Now, I didn't, be, I didn't speak in other tongues at a church service. 
Even though I tried, I came up to every altar call there was. See, because when you want it, you just, when they open the door, when you want something, when you open the door, when they open the door, you're there. Like some of y'all at Popeye's right now, trying to, when you want it, When you want it, you're not over here talking about, oh man, we had two hours today for today's service. Oh man, when they go, y'all waiting that, y'all waited in that Popeye's line like hoping you got you a sandwich. The chicken sandwich is the thing. I I just can't do it. I ain't, I'm just too much pride. I, and that might be my downfall, but you know. Because I do want one, but I just just not waiting two hours for <laughs> when you want something you'll be there waiting on the man to open the door that was me when service was over and they were like come on come on son it's okay it's okay it's okay I was the last one leaving the altar like ah and I'm gonna tell you what happens because one day I was at home and I was just kind of singing to the Lord in the bathroom. Woke up. It was a day off, Tuesday. Never forget, Tuesday, day off. And I'm brushing my teeth, and I got my, my music playing. I went on a fast because I was studying about this being filled with the Holy Ghost thing. Like, what is being filled with the Spirit? What is being filled with the Spirit? And I told my dad. I was like, man, I'm reading these books about being filled with the Spirit. You know, I said, because I want to be, be filled with the Holy Ghost and man it just ain't working out for me and my father was like it's not working out for you he said what are you doing I said well I went down to the church I've been going down to, to the church I was going up right to St. Stephen's I was going down to St. Stephen's I was going down to St. Stephen's and, and I went down to the bishop's church and I, it wasn't you know kind of wasn't working out for me I don't know what's going on he said well what do you what you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost I said, yes sir I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost he said well what is it being filled with the Holy Ghost I said I, I don't know I said son what do you mean you don't know what do you mean? You want to be filled with something that you don't know? You want something to touch you and you don't know what it is? I was like, I guess so. I mean, I wasn't thinking about it like that. Are you doing this because we told you to do it? I guess so. Say, boy, you 24 years old. You pay your own bills. I was a 24-year-old that paid my own bills. Hey! Went to work every day. Hey! Say, boy, you paid your own bills. He said, boy, you, he said, and you, he said, you run your own life and you're going to let somebody tell you you need to get something inside of you and you don't know what it is? He said, that kind of don't make sense, does it, son? No, sir. He said, well, I'm going to tell you how you do it. You study and you show yourself approved. He said, you get you a Bible and you start reading what the word of God has to say about being filled with the spirit. He said, you begin to lay before God and you ask God to illuminate and show you the scriptures. And then I went and got books and I went and got, I was in my word and I was getting, I was reading these books. And one of the books at the back end of the book, it was like some information I was really good in. It was something that I didn't really know all that well. And then at the back of the book, it had all of these little chant things. And they was like, here's how you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just repeat these little chants. And it was like, la, 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 ha, 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 da, da. Ta, ta, ta. I, I, and I was like that don't sound right you know and I'm reading the Bible and it said it didn't say that y'all would tell me what to say he just said that the spirit would teach so I'm, I was I was I was I was hungry for something more than what I had 
I was thirsting for something more than I was drinking. And one day, the off day, I was in the back, I was in the, the restroom brushing my teeth. And as I was brushing my teeth, I was, I was finishing up and I had worship music going and I could just kind of feel presence was happening in my room. I wasn't by myself anymore, but nobody was there. <laughs> I, was, I just felt the presence. And as I was feeling presence, I put my toothbrush down and I, I started working toward my closet. I had a closet that I could walk in and I figured that if it's so much presence, maybe I shouldn't stand. Maybe I should kneel. <laughs> so I went into my closet and I just began to kneel down before the Lord and I just started to say, Lord, thank you. Lord, I don't really know what's happening right now, but thank you. I acknowledge your presence. I acknowledge your grace. I acknowledge your hand over my life. I thank you. I was sitting in for I was 24 years old. I was sitting in my back in, in my closet and I'm giving God the praise. And I don't know what happened between my hallelujah and my hallelujah. But all of a sudden, I began to spit out words. Yeah. I began to spit out words that I did not have language for before. I began to utter, and it, and it just started creeping out. Yeah, da, ta, ta, da, ya, ya. It just started spilling out of my spirit because the Lord said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And I don't know if it was 10 minutes. I don't know if it was 10 minutes, if it was 50 minutes. I have no idea how I was there. But when you're in the spirit, it feels like it's forever. And I woke up. All right, well, I was awake. I mean, I shouldn't say I woke up, but I kind of got up and I was like, I picked up the phone. I, told my, I called my mother. I keep telling people I called my dad. I called my mother. She was at work. I said, and this was the language we used at that time. I got it. Today I would say, I got him. But then I was like, Mom, I got it. I got it. She was like, you got filled with the Holy Ghost. She could tell I was crying so hard. I got it. I got it. She was like, you got filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, yes, ma'am. It's not going to happen because I, I make you do it. It's not a gift that I'm going to command for it to happen over your life. Get in your word. Ask God to teach you about this gift. This is your generation. This is your life. This is your time. And the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life is not going to happen because I'm making it happen in your life. It's because you are going to let your guard down and let the Holy Spirit have control over your life. And if this is the result, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But you can be filled. All you got to do is ask me. I was reviewing it with my father. He said, what did, the, what did you have to do? Like, did you figure it? Was it the altar? I was like, no, sir. He said, you just asked him, huh? I said, yes, sir. I just start asking and praying and believing. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. And sometimes people say, ma'am, how come you don't ever have an altar call for that? Sometimes I do. But, but I also understand that sometimes you got to know what you want first. And you got to ask God, Lord, let me have, this is what my desire is. This is what you want for me. Are y'all still with me in the balcony? This is what you want for me. 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 And it took me a handful of weeks of just saying, God, I want it. I don't really know what I want, but I want it. And I don't know how I'm supposed to, but I want it. And Holy Spirit did it. And as I started learning what I wanted, Lord, fill me with you. Empower my prayer life. Challenge my service. Take me to a deeper space in you. And about two weeks later, at his beckoning, 
when he felt like I had the world shut off and he had me accosted between my fourth molar and my third he said I'm in the room take your shoes off this is holy ground he said why are you standing in my presence and I started to kneel because that's how I understand what I'm supposed to do in this presence I just started to kneel I said I don't need to be higher than you and he answered Lift those hands in this building. Lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands, lift your hands. We're going to go downstairs and hang out and all that stuff, but I, I called a fast beginning tomorrow morning. I'm calling fast until Wednesday morning, until 5 o'clock. Juices and water till 5 o'clock. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I want, here's what I want you to do. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. I know you're going to be praying all day long. I know you're going to be studying these scriptures all day long. But for 30, I want you to find 30 consecutive minutes to spend before God. I know you're going to be praying all day long, but I want you to find 30 consecutive minutes. Wake up in the morning or whatever you do. Find 30 minutes before the children go to sleep, whatever. Find 30 consecutive minutes. I want you to take your notebook. I want you to take your Bible scriptures. I want you to take your burdens. To take your issues. I want you to spend some time with God. Don't worry about being overly religious. Just, just get in the space and talk to God. Tell him you appreciate him. Tell him, God, I'm learning your word. Father, make yourself alive to me. Father, I don't understand everything, but I do sense that you want more for my journey. Holy Spirit, thank you. And Holy Spirit, I'm sorry that I made you like this, the, the caboose to the wagon. And now I see that you are equal parts, all God living inside of me. Now give me every gift that you have for my life. Give me every gift that you have for my life. Give me every strategy you have for my journey. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bless you, God. You said in the word that we would have gifts in this world until the body of Christ is fully edified. And God, we are being edified day by day. And we will be so until the coming of Christ. So God, thank you for these gifts. And no, sir, you're not too young. And no, ma'am, you're not too old. And no, my brother, you're not too far away from God. No, my sister, he has not shunned this away from you. If you ask, if you ask, he will find you in due season and release the gift upon your life. It's not kooky, it's not weird. It's just a part of the language of the kingdom of God. And Lord, we bless you. And Lord, we know we've been in this service for a long time today, but we bless you. We bless you. We thank you. We give you glory and we give you honor. Fill us with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise. Will you help us worship God? Will you help us worship God? Give God a praise. Give him a praise. Give God a praise. God bless you upstairs. God bless you in the basement. Give God a praise. Listen, we're going to go downstairs and hang out. We're going to go downstairs and hang out. We're going to go downstairs and hang out, but I want you to find every scripture. If you're saying, Pastor, I want to learn more about this. We're coming back next Sunday to finish this up because I got some things that I want to lay on your table. And I want to erase some, some ideas. But if you're saying, you know what, Pastor, you know what, God, 
I just want to be, I want to be filled. I want to be filled. I want these gifts. I want spiritual gifts. I'm going to teach you why it's important. I'm going to teach you what the Bible says. Being able to speak in another language does. It was more, way more than what I just said. I want you to understand uh, and normalize it in the life of the, in the journey of the believer. And, uh, and then we're going to pray next week and then we'll move on to our next topic. All right. Amen. All right. May the peace of God be with you. May the presence of God rest, rule, and abide with you now and forever. Let all of God's children say amen. Listen, I know I've been promising you guys we're going to take a second offering for our, our giving, for our turkey giveaway. Listen, uh, I will do that next week, but you don't have to wait till next week. You can go to the app. You can give online. And so we are still about $900 short of meeting our goal of being able to reach our $5,000. 1,000 turkeys, which means 1,000 families in the city of San Diego are going to be blessed because of your giving. Don't forget. Amen. All right, let God use you. I hope you guys come downstairs. God bless you. We'll see you next week.